We give you thanks that once again we're found at the crossroads of the cross. Those of us who believe and receive your provision will walk in the measure that we never even thought possible of joy, peace, and righteousness. And yet there will be many here today that will continue to live as if this provision is not available. And the very decision or indifference that we have to your provision will be a consequence of missing joy, of missing true peace, and never being able to walk in the righteousness we were created to walk in. I pray that your word this morning would find its way into the hearts of your people because there's hundreds of thousands that are waiting to see this reality in us so they also might come. And if we have fallen short of your glory because of our sin and walking after our own hearts and our own ways, then that's judgment on those that are around us and that come across us because they will never see the reality in us to be able to pursue the light which shines brightly in us. Prosper your word and that this Christmas season would be an opportunity to come closer to you, not in the traditions of our faith and history, but in the realities of a relationship that manifests true joy, deep peace, and an amazing righteousness that grows closer and closer to you each day. Prosper this word in the hearts of your people. We pray this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. The challenge we always have, especially as pastors and preachers in the holidays, is that's when people come to church. And so I would want nothing more today than to have the opportunity of that person that comes and has its spirit stirred up by the seasons of our celebration and holidays to be able to receive something that is priceless. But I know, like Billy Graham says, that while the word of God that comes forth, he's the greatest evangelist of our modern age, he says as he preaches the good news of the gospel, some people are melting like butter and other people are growing more hardened like clay, resisting the will and the hand of God upon their life, not understanding the message of the Lord. They miss out not only on the introduction like we said last week, If you weren't here last week, make sure you get a a copy of that message, which talks about the difference between events and process. And the Christmas holiday is an event, but it's to introduce a process of maturity in Christ. We went through that last week in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where unto us a child is born, unto us a, a, a son is given, you see, from child to son, and his the weight upon his shoulders, the maturity of receiving the responsibility of what he receives, a government leadership. God has made us leaders in him. The, the nations are seeking out a leader that they can follow. And God has given us a name. Name speaks of character, speaks of definition. The difference between good and bad, light and darkness, joy and depression, all those are in the name. So God wants Christmas to be more than just an event but a process. And in this process, if you were to read with me in Luke chapter 2, verse 32, there is a great challenge because Christ was not only the opportunity of salvation and peace and joy, but it was going to split the earth into two realms. 
and this is what many people don't like and, and they do not enjoy, that Christ has come. And look at, he says in verse 32, Luke 2.32, a light A light will bring revelations to the Gentiles. A light, the clarity of which will open the eyes of those that don't know God, the glory of your people Israel. But look what it says in verse 34. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child, this, this fruit of the womb, is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel as a sign which will be spoken against. So I know that Christmas is a stepping stone to many who receive Christ and they continue to raise up and excel in life, in purpose, in family, in marriage, in giving to their children what they have received and passing it down from legacy to legacy, from generation to generation. But to many, it will be a fall. It will be those that say, you know something, I'm not interested. It doesn't impress me. I can't get it. I don't understand it. Why, why this, this issue? Why this format? And so we go to Matthew uh, chapter 21, verse 44, and Jesus said the same things. He said, whoever falls on this stone will be broken. Can you agree with me that Jesus comes to disrupt our life? I mean, I had plans. I had ideas. And he came and he says, listen to me. None of your plans and none of your ideas are my thoughts. Whatever you figured out in life, that's not what I have planned. And so if you receive this message, you'll be broken. And I, I haven't met a person that is in Christ that Christ has not disrupted their mindset. But look where the fall comes. That's the rise. The rise is those that are broken and those that, that, that receive the message will, will be broken. But whomever the stone falls upon, and, and that's a whole different concept. There's a whole different concept of, of, of this Christ that comes declaring himself to be the king of kings. You know what that means? You have to give up your throne. How many defend their throne? Your wife wants you to do something, and you're like, no. When your parents want you to do something, you're like, no. You know, when, when Jesus was born, there was a king named Herod. And there's a spirit of Herod in the Christmas season. Christ is being born, the king of all the earth, and Herod say, hey, tell me where this guy's at, because I want to go. I want to go fillet his neck. I want to get rid of him in my life. Because if there's a king who's pronouncing his kingdom, then there needs to be someone who bow downs and becomes a subject. Somebody who's underneath his rule and reign. But there are people in our generation and in every generation that has decided to say, we're not going to worship that format and that structure and that kingdom is announcing my surrender. And so this Christmas season is a controversial time. And, and truly, it's a blessing. You know, again, before Christ, I was a rebellious. I was like, come on, let's, let's see how we can, we can challenge that reality. But let me, I'm going to tell you guys something. When you challenge God, it's a steamroller 
that will grind you to pieces. How many have experienced that? You're not going to be able to withstand the power and the influence of God in your life. To do so, like it says there in Matthew 21, 44, it's better that you fall upon the rock and be broken and not have the stone fall upon you and ground you to powder. Ground you to powder. So the announcements was this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. I love how verse 18 just puts it all on the line. This is the, now, now this is how the Messiah story came about. The birth of Jesus was as follows. It's not asking you for your opinion. It's not asking for you to agree with it. This is how it is. It says his mother Mary was betrothed, promised to be married to Joseph before they had even come together. And she was found with a child by the Holy Spirit. Verse 19 says, her promised husband, Joseph, being a righteous man, a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly, to not make a big deal to separate from her. In verse 20 says, but as he was thinking this over, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, descendant and son of David, Do not walk in fear, but take you, Mary, as your wife, for that which is in her is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And she, verse 21, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. The Greek form of the Hebrew Joshua, which means Savior. You shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Great Savior, great God, great King. I I had a client once, he's a Jewish man, last name Brownstein. And I said, I'm curious how you became a Christian. Because as a Jewish person, the tendency is not to believe in Jesus Christ. How is it you did that? He says, Joaquin, it was simple, I needed a Savior. And Jesus is a Savior. How it was so simple. If we want a savior, we need to come to Jesus. And in verse 22, it says, All this took place that it might be fulfilled, which the Lord had spoken through the prophets. See, this was foretold even by many messengers of God what was going to happen. And what was foretold through the prophets was this. In verse 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and bear a son And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. I want to just quickly, as we we contemplate this first thought here, um, that the introduction of Christ is that God is going to accompany you the rest of your life. And, and, And that seems very, very dim to most of us. But here is the great picture that if you're walking with God, what can go wrong? If you're walking with God, what decisions will make that will be bad decisions? If you're walking with God, it's great because it's, it's all put together in the greatest wisdom of a mighty God that comes with you the whole journey. 
It says like this in Romans 8.31, what shall we say in response to this reality? If God is the one that's with us, who can stand against us? That's what Christ is announcing at the, at, at the nativity scene. That's what the angels proclaim. This is God that's going to walk with Amanda. God that's going to walk with Ariel. God that's going to walk with Raul. God that's going to walk with Mike. He's going to be there. Not just a moment in a service on Sunday, but the whole time. The question is not, will God keep his promise? How many think God will keep his promise? He's going to be here. The issue is I have friends that take God where God wouldn't go. God would not go into a crack house to sit there and, 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 and consume those drugs, to be around that atmosphere. God would not go into a place where uh, the, the debauchery of man's lower-based uh, scenarios. I had a friend of mine that, that uh, was standing the post at a, at a place where people, these swinger clubs, where people, go, you know, they swap wives. They take their wife there and they give her to another man. They take their husband there and they give him to another woman. And, and then the, you, you, ha, you hear the, the, the ignorant. Oh, God is everywhere. No, my friend, God is not there. It's impossible for him to dwell in that depth of darkness. He's not going to be there. And much less would he want one of his children to be there. I remember a, a man came here to the church several years ago. He's about 45 years old, and he got to church, and the first couple of months here at the church, he decided to, to meet a friend, and he says, hey, you know something? Let's go drink until about 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Let's not even go home. And so the man jumped in his car and took off to a bar, and they spent the whole night getting drunk. And I'm wondering, I'm saying when, when I, I found out about it, this man came into my office and and he says, I heard you wanted to talk to me. I said, no, I'm not really interested in talking to you. I just want to ask you a question. Well, how do you think I would feel if you were taking one of my three sons to get drunk all night long? And he goes, you want to kill me? I go, yeah, I think that, that's appropriate. That's how I would feel if somebody were to take my son and go get him drunk all night long. And let me just tell you, the, the person that you took is not my physical son, but he is the Lord's. He is the Lord's son, and you're, you're causing a stumbling to someone who belongs to God. And so I'm wondering if, if God has come for us to be in our lives at that level, if he says that, that he's come to be with us, I'm wondering if we're challenging him to go into the darkness where he abides in perpetual light. This is, what, this is the response that some of the people that, that walked with the Lord in Psalm 56 verse 9 he says, by this I will know that you're walking with me. This is one of the signs. When I cry out to you and my enemies turn around, this I know that they turned around because you're with me. How many find that to be a, a powerful reality of having Emmanuel in our lives? That those that come to do things of harm, those that come to steal and strip of us the influence of the riches of his grace and his goodness, that when we cry out to God, our enemies will turn back, and, and this will be evidence. I, friend, if you're not living this reality in Christianity, I invite you to reconsider the Christmas tradition again, that it's the announcement of God with us. God with us. And if God is with us, who can be against us? 
And if we're listening to God, I, I, I want to suggest to you, your enemies are going to turn back. For even two days ago, I received a phone, a, a message on my computer, and it was a pastor friend of mine uh, here at Calvary Chapel, Pastor Pedro, and he was announcing that his friend, Pastor Levi Lusco, um, five-year-old daughter on December 21st died of an asthma attack. Five years old. And, and he lost his five-year-old daughter. And I'm like, man, that, that has to be excruciating. And then I recall back when when Brandon was about six or seven years old, that we were on a camping trip, and he had an asthma attack. And we're in the middle of the woods, and we're four hours away from our car down the river on a canoe. And it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and I don't know how I'm going to get into a, can a canoe at 3 o'clock in the morning, much less paddle for four hours with a crocodile alligator-infested river. And say, Lord, what am I going to do now? I, I, I'm far from the hospital. I'm far. We didn't bring his, his asthma. And you know what? We called on the name of the Lord. And, and he'll tell you. He's here this morning. Brandon will tell you how in an instant the Lord healed him that night. The asthma attack went away like in, in, in a drop of a hat. This is evidence that you're with me. For this I, I know because God is for me. Because God is with me, my enemies will turn around. They'll, they'll get rid of them uh, as I walk with the Lord. And this has happened endless times in our, in, in, in our home, in our finances, amongst our family. God is there. You know, we, we want God to show up, but we don't want to honor God. We want God to be at our side, but we want to walk contrary to him. That, that is a powerful time that we can, in Psalm 118, verse 6. Here's what the confidence you walk with, and that many times in my life I've had to come to this reality. If the Lord is at my side, fear does not exist. Uh, those of you who know me, um, I'd rather you walk in faith and not fear. The reality of omnipotent God, omnipresent God, omniscient God that's the invitation it's not a religious practice it's not a religious system it's the reality of God at your side uh, the Lord showed me that early on in my Christian walk as every time we were running into adversity conflict difficulty now I just posted something recently in my in my blog in my email and I said um, faith always flies higher than facts there are men that calculate the facts that 2 plus 2, and I say, equals 46. And you say, that's impossible. That's where God dwells. When you've run out of your ability to know what to do, God will slam dunk it. God will raise you higher. God will let you see from another perspective. I, I want to challenge you that that's how I live. Um, those of you that have known me for a while, I say, okay, what, what realities are we facing up against? Well, they're saying no. They're saying no, it can't happen. I say, all right, praise God. We're in the game. What do you mean we're in the game? Yeah, because God is into the impossible. God is into the realm of when you ran out of ideas, he has a whole bunch of ideas. He has the power to take you up to another level. 
And, and this you learn from a person who had difficulties reading and writing, who didn't know how to gather and formulate documents, and God makes me an attorney. It's like, wow, powerful. I didn't have the, 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 the ability to love. I was selfish. And, and God brings me into a marriage at, at levels of enjoyment of sheer peace. It's the provisions of God. Emmanuel. I want to stir you up today that you walk like Isaiah did. Isaiah 41.10, he says, so do not fear. What do you mean do not fear? Yeah, I'm with you. Don't faint. Don't fall apart for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I'm going to lift you up. The saddest part about this reality is there's people that know it intellectually. They've read it a thousand times. They've been to a thousand Christmas services and still linger at the lowest depth of reality instead of rising up. I, I can't wait to see you rise up in the righteous hand of the Lord. In fact, he's not only with us just for a season. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, he says, Behold, I'm with you forever. There's never going to be a time I'm not going to be with you. In your, every one of your ways. 28, 20. I am with you always, even to the end of time. There's such peace because there's going to be times in the seasons to come that we're going to look around and figure out what we're going to do and God is going to be there right by our side. In times of adversity, affliction, in times of what's going on here in Connecticut with these loss of children, um, they, they said it was the loss of those at the theater watching Batman. It was the loss of those at the school in Connecticut, the loss of that mall up in Portland where shooters, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I can't walk around the mall nowadays without saying, I wonder if somebody's going to come in here and start shooting. How many have had that experience? The kids are at school, they're terrified. I wonder what's going to happen when I go to school today, is somebody going to flip out and do something stupid? But I want to suggest God's going to be there. I want to suggest that God has us under the palm of his hand. Unfortunately, some of us run to God when devastation is taking place. We only come to God after the fact, but not before. We could go to a nightclub scene and think it's super exciting and super rejoicing until travesty occurs. We come to church and we look like somebody forced us to be here. Isn't that sad? The God who's going to be with you? The God has promised to be with you all the time? Isn't it sad? In Revelations, we see the verse 21, uh, chapter 21, verse 3. The end of the Bible, God continues to remind man, and I heard a loud voice from the heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. That connection started there in the manger. That connection started when God says, I'm going to abide with them. Let's stand this morning and, and try to usher this reality. You know, if you have divorced your heart from the heart of God, if you've turned your back in some way, you've, uh, you've tried to, uh, to find the reality of God. Look what it says real quick in Isaiah 8 verse 10. 
as the enemy tries to posture himself to get in our life, it says you can go ahead and put your plan together, but it will come to nothing. You can speak words against us, but it will not stand. You want to know why? Because God is with us. God is with us in a powerful way. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. I pray that you cultivate your relationship with him this season as he is the fulfillment of the peace on earth. It says it in Luke 2, 14. The glory of God's highest. Everything that God is here with us. Everything that God represents, his reality among us. Sad, we don't know how to bring that expression. Um, if you come to my house, you're going to feel the peace of God. Why? Because he's there. If you come to my marriage and you see my relationship with my wife, you're going to see the peace of God there because we've invited him, we honor him, we serve him faithfully. He's there. If you see the relationship as a father and a son, having three teenagers, some of my friends would... <laughs> Some of my friends dreaded. They said, Joaquin, okay, God was there for you when you were a single man. Okay, fine. Okay, God is there when you got married to Yvette. Fine. Okay, God is there when you bought a house and when you became a lawyer. And God is there when you're making your money and fine. But just wait, buddy. You're going to pay. Wait till your kids become teenagers. I promise you, you're going to live hell on earth. Guys, I marvel the faithfulness of a God who's with us. I marvel at a good God. I marvel at the peace of the Lord. My children, they love God with all their heart. They serve Him. I've never had to tell my kids one day in their entire life why they have to come to church. They, man, they're, they are on. They're on. God is with them. He's been born a reality. This happened 29 years ago, and we see that. It doesn't matter what the devil has planned for us. If you bring God into the picture... There's going to be a manifestation. Look what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. The glory of God's highest manifested on earth as peace and favor toward those who make this a reality. Let's listen to the words of this song, and I'm going to pray. And I pray that, that if... If you can't experience this, it's not on God's side that the ball is being dropped. It's not. Emmanuel, God with us. Let's listen to the words of this song.
trying to teach Timothy how he can have this experience. He says, 2 Timothy 2, 19, he says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God is immovable. This is, this is the foundation you build on. And it has this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. Let everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord depart from doing their own thing. That word iniquity. So you're doing your own thing. It says everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Verse 20 he says because in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver but wood and clay. Some of these vessels will be vessels of honor and some vessels of dishonor. And here comes the split again. The rise and fall of many. Those that are broken those are become dust. If anyone cleanses himself from dishonor he will be a vessel for honor sanctified and useful for the master prepared for all the works that God has for him that are good but to do this verse 22 you must flee the youthful passions and pursue righteousness faith love peace with those who call upon the name of the Lord with a pure heart. Now God wants you to be a part in, in, of this inheritance. What do you want? Father, I thank you for today's message. You have come as Emmanuel. God is already here with us. With those who call upon you out of a pure heart. With those that desire you above all things with those that love righteousness and hate lawlessness. If you're with us, who can be against us? And I pray that this message will be a dividing line, oh God, just like you did with me when I was 16 years old as I came to the Lord in the Christmas season. And I pray, oh God, that from this day forward, we would be those that say, if God is with us, who could be against us? We walk in faith and not by fear. We walk in joy and not in anxiety and unbelief. I pray, oh God, that we not only be recipients of this gift, but that we would share this gift with many. For we've been given that charge to take this joy to all the earth and to proclaim the gospel to every creature. Make us, O oh God, sufficient examples of this truth. Allow us this to come and invade our lives that we might serve you as you are worthy. We pray that you would bless the families represented here, O oh God, and that salvation has come. Goodwill, great tidings of great joy, good tidings of great joy and peace goodwill on earth to all men. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says amen. Amen and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Hallelujah. Remember on the 13th.